Hi, drama listeners. It is me, Dylan. You know, it's a new month and November is always a very special time of the year for Connor and I, because it's actually the month that we started the podcast back in 2019. So all month long, we are going to be celebrating our four year anniversary and we are kicking it off today with Sierra Bogas, who is an absolute delight. Many of you have requested her over the years and she lived up to all of the hype. We are absolutely obsessed. If you want to help us keep this podcast running for four more years or even just four more months, we would absolutely love your support. And the best way to do that is by subscribing to our Patreon. There is a link in the notes below, $5 a month, where we have so many bonus episodes going all the way back to 2020 when we launched that. And it is full of so many goodies and wonderful conversations. You also get to be a part of our close friends, which is going to get steamier and steamier and more fun as we head into this fourth year of the podcast. You are going to love Sierra. We love you. And we are so excited for all that's to come with the podcast. All right, let's get on with the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater. Pop culture. Love. And life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, there's something different in the world. This happens but once every, well, lately, well, once every every year, kind of. Yes. Kind of, kind yes. of. Sometimes twice a year. Sometimes twice Lately, a year. it's been twice a year. Sometimes it's surprisingly, but Taylor Swift has released a new album. She has, and nothing will ever be the same. It no, will never, never be the same. I always laugh because I'm always so immediately, I need to listen to it. I need to like get it all into my system. But then I think I'll be dissecting this music for years. I'll be listening to this music for years. Like it's, it's going to be, there's no rush, but of course I consumed it right away. I mean, well, I, I did sleep. I did not stay up. I you didn't listen attack. to Midnight's at Midnight? No, I listened to it at like 4.30 a.m. in line for a plane to Tampa whilst waiting in airport security. The best way to consume. <laughs> it's music, weird that right? was just a few days ago, but I'm already like, what was I doing Friday? Like, I already I cannot remember. I know. I know my, my listening experiences are so, so spiritual in a sense. Like, I waited till I was on my plane to Tampa and I okay. had it downloaded, was ready and closed my eyes and sort of like took in you know, Taylor's new, her new um, catalog. We'll do a deeper dive on our Patreon like we did with Evermore, which was the last new album she released, of course. You know, she's had the Taylor's versions in the meanwhile, but this is new, all new. What is your initial reaction? Okay, my initial reaction was, I like it. But now that I've listened to it for a couple of days, I love it. Yeah. 13 tight pop songs, concise. She's back to singing about her own life again after two albums of not doing it. And I think that's jarring for people. You know, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I think there was a few. But I think she's showing new sides of herself to us. And I think it's it's it's, perhaps it's, it's more introspective than ever. I agree. I agree. And uh, surfacey, the lyrics don't seem as deep as they are, but they are. They're Taylor lyrics. She's always got everything has meaning, except mm-hmm. for the expression "sexy baby" and "antihero." But um, no, I we're, love. We're the still album. coming I think it's around great. on that. We're still coming yeah. around on that one. What are you? What are your initial reactions? I think I was the only person who immediately was like, "This is special. This is amazing." Because all of our friends, I mean. She has a bonus track called The Great War. And I literally think The Great War broke out in our group chat. 
half our friends loved it. Half our friends were like, meh. Uh-huh. But I was on board with it immediately. And I have to say, I think she is a mastermind. And that song in particular features some of her signature reversals. And I have a, I have an essay coming in which I think she has some Sondheimian technique. That she Whoa, uses. your English teacher is coming out. No one, they said, they said, what are you going to do with an English degree, Dylan? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I think you found your purpose. I'm yes. really proud. Analyzing proud Taylor of- Swift lyrics. Like you said, we'll talk more about Midnight's on our Patreon. Yes. We've got to get to the show, the main event yes. of today's show. I am thrilled. Dylan, would you please do me the honor of bringing her on to drama? Yes. Our guest today is a beloved leading lady of Broadway and the West End. She is an Olivier Award nominee known worldwide for reinventing the coveted role of Christine Daae in Love Never Dies, having also performed the role in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway in Las Vegas, on the West End, and in London's televised 25th anniversary concert production. Audiences will know she brought Ariel to life in the Broadway production of The Little Mermaid, for which she received Drama Desk and Drama League nominations, as well as won the Broadway.com Audience Choice Award for Favorite Female Breakthrough Performance. I mean, doesn't get much gaggier than that. She also starred in It Should Have Been You, Masterclass, and School of Rock on Broadway, with a West End turn in Les Miserables as Fantine, and off-Broadway in The Recent Harmony, Love Loss and What I Wore, and Music in the Air, both with Kristen Chenoweth. She starred as Cinderella in Into the Woods, The Hollywood Bowl, Led Ever After at Alliance Theater, and The Age of Innocence at Hartford Stage. She's lent her gorgeous vocals to Royal Albert Hall, Cadogan Hall, the New York Pops at Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center's American Songbook Series, Guys and Dolls at Carnegie Hall opposite The Dreamboat, Patrick Wilson, Megan Mullally, and Nathan Lane and The Secret Garden at Lincoln Center. She has two albums, Awakening at 54 Below and Together at a Distance with Julian Ovenden. Her voice can be heard on countless cast albums and musical recordings. She is the angel of music, an educator, and an inspirational voice of our community. Please welcome to drama, Sierra Sierra Boggess. Boggess. Hi, you guys. Hello. It's so nice to meet you. I hope that we're going to do this entire podcast about Taylor Swift because I have so much. I'm such a Swifty. Oh, my God. Wait, I had no idea. <laughs> yes. So I also was listening to Midnight's, but I'm marathon training right now. I'm running the marathon. I don't know when this is dropping, but November 6th with my little sister. And so one of the things I've been doing is listening to Taylor Swift albums for my long runs. And I ran 18 miles the other day, which means... I run that in like three hours, which is like three Taylor Swift albums. And so I li- listen to Evermore and Folklore and Midnight's. And at first I felt the same. Like at first with Midnight's, I was like, I'm not sure. But then I listened to it again and I was like, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? okay, you, also, you're making running training for a marathon appealing to me because I'm like, I listen to three Taylor Swift albums back to back usually every yeah. day anyway, so I couldn't do it while running, right? Well, and it's like moving meditation. And I chose those three specifically, those three albums, because they're, they're a mood. Like, oh, for sure. they, they don't make you run fast, which in your long runs, you're not supposed to run fast. You're supposed to like calm yourself down. Okay. So that's why I started listening to those three in particular. And honestly, Midnight's is more of like poppy than the those other two. So it actually, you know, it makes you run a little bit faster, but it is. And it's like a moving meditation. And I do, th- I agree. I think that her lyrics are fabulous. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. They're fabulous. Are there any songs on this new album in particular that are really standing out to you? Well, I liked Maroon. Mm. The second track. Yes. Track two. Just like what a cool song about like the color. Like, I don't know. I was just like, that's really cool. I don't know the names of a lot of them because I, I didn't read the, the name, but, um, Antihero is cool. Oh yeah. Some of her best writing, I think on the album. Yeah. But even like, that that one lyric about the cat eye mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yes i'm like who thinks of that you know so now just for a little bit of context what is your favorite taylor prior to midnights like what album i was a swifty before it was cool to be a swifty like okay. i loved all of her like like very first stuff like her i'm older than her but it makes me feel like she articulates high school in a way mm-hmm. that makes you nostalgic for that time yes but- I could listen to on repeat the 10 minute version of all too well. You're in good Me company. Too. You're in Me good too. company. It's like kept beyond. you like a secret, but you ca- I kept you like an oath. Oh. I'll never forget my breath being taken away for the first time when I heard the 10 minute version, because I've committed the original to memory. Absolutely. All of a sudden, the, the, the 10 minute, it's like, Oh, this is how it always is. Yeah. And, it's like, and she suddenly drives you to mm-hmm. the net and you're like, Oh, we're okay. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't even listen to the original one. Anymore. I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. I don't either. I only want the 10 minutes. I know. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the additional sections, oh. you know? Oh, my God. She really can write a tune. I'm sure her Broadway musical is coming at some point. Like, you know, the musical Anne Juliet coming to Broadway very soon. They She did work with Max Martin on a lot of her 1989 songs. But we got the scoop that Taylor didn't give any permission for those to be used in Anne Juliet. So I'm thinking she's holding out for, I don't know if she'll write an original or if she'll eventually commit all of her songs to being allowed to be used in like a jukebox type scenario, but it's coming, it's coming. It's coming and we're here for it. Yes. Well, Sierra, I'm glad that we're kindred spirits because we're all Swifties. So this is, you know, a safe space, I like to say. It's a safe yes. space. Now we do like to kind of meet our guests where they're at. I am curious. Are you well? I'm well. I just got done being sick. It wasn't COVID and it wasn't the flu, but it's whatever is going around. I was just, I'm not name dropping, but I was talking to Norm Lewis <laughs> right before this. He calls me. I'm in the cab. I'm like, hey, daddy. And I call him daddy. So oh, me have- too, but I don't know him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Naturally. But I was talking to him about that because he knew that I was sick because I had to even cancel a concert and all this, oh, which I've never had to do. And we have the same concert agent. So he had been asked to like take over. He said, I knew you were sick because you and I get sick the same way where when we go down, we go down and we never get sick. So, but I think our immune systems are down just because of COVID. Yeah. You know, because of the knock on wood, I still have never had COVID, but same, just, same oddly. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't, it's a thing. But I think just like from masking and like yeah. trying not to get sick so much, then I think like I, I'm so I'm well now ish, yes. but still a little weird. Yeah. I'm glad you're well. Now, you brought up Norm Lewis, who is a fave. I mean, we yeah. love, love, love him. When did you first meet Norm? We met doing Little Mermaid. Okay. So, two thousand. literally played your my dad. dad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's why. <laughs> that's why he. I call him daddy, and my sisters <laughs> call him daddy. Oh, like that's he's, so cute. Yeah, he's my dad. So yeah, we met in two thousand and seven, right before 
right before we got started with rehearsal. Yeah, that was obviously our introduction to you. And I think the world, yeah. you really, you know, no pun intended, splashed onto the scene. But now it's been how many years? 12, 15? Since that? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't do math. Same, that's so... why I'm like asking you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when was 2007? <laughs> Yeah, 15, 15 years ago. Whoa. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so that was your Broadway debut. You're a Disney princess in this iconic role. Looking back on all that experience, it's probably pretty crazy to think of how far you've come, but were you in any workshops or anything, or was it just an audition? No, it was an audition. I was living in Las Vegas. I was doing Phantom of the Opera at the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas. So that was technically my my big break just not in New York because that's where I met Hal Prince and Jillian Lynn um, and Andrew but so I was living there doing that and I had like a week off or something and I came to New York and they were having auditions for Little Mermaid and I auditioned this was like October of 2006 and I auditioned and I heard nothing back not a word and they had also been auditioning for a year Mm. almost a year at this time. So I heard nothing back. And then a few months went by and I got a call that can she come in and audition again and to be potential cover for Ariel and be in the ensemble. And I have no problem with that. I, for some reason though, was like, I think I'm good. Like I would rather continue playing Christine. I don't, that didn't resonate with me at Mm -hmm. the time. I thought my Broadway debut was going to be Phantom. Okay. And I didn't think like that that's something that I felt like compelled or wanted to do. And so I turned down that audition and then another month goes by and I get a call from my agent. That's like, can you get here in three days for a final callback for Ariel? And I was like, final callback I haven't even had one callback (laughs) so and I was and also I had heard all I had heard a rumor that it had been cast and they so I went back and Hmm. said I don't think that that that's even because the ticket like the flight that quickly was going to cost like seven hundred dollars oh my god yeah so I had to check and all this and they were like no it has not been cast it is a final and you just just can you get here? So I paid like $700. And I remember thinking like, well, if this happens, like this will pay off. Yeah. So yeah. what's important is that this, when I realized I had another chance, basically you're given another chance. So I went back before the, in that three days and I watched the movie, like as if it was like Shakespearean, like research, like, <laughs> And I was looking at it of like, why are we so connected to this drawing and what is it? And I started just like really like, like upping my game for my audition of like, you are being given a second chance. You can't just go in and sing part of your world and assume that that's enough. So I was like, I was doing like my old musical theater homework, like college homework on like how to it's called scoring for people who don't know, like to score my scenes. And like, I mean, I really treated it like it was like this piece of incredible theater, which it is. But so then I flew there and I had a four hour callback and they brought me in. There was only four other girls there. They, and they kept bringing me in the room and then having me sit down outside and come back in. 
And for those that know, like the key of, of part of your world was raised up a whole step and it's happened in that room. Alan Menken was sitting there and he came over to the piano and he brought it up a step for me because he thought that my voice sounded younger when it was uh. up a half or a whole step. So that's why the Broadway key is the Broadway key. And, the, and you the, do sound young on the album. Yeah. You really do. Wait, quick question. Now you had heard that Ariel was cast. Was the girl that you had heard got the role in these callbacks? Like, did you see her there? And you're like, oh, I heard it was well, you. Well, I didn't know anybody. So I don't, oh, okay. so oh, okay. maybe, um, <laughs> I remember her name. I won't say it just in, sure, and I, good. cause I still don't know, but um, yeah. I remember hearing her name. And the reason I knew is somebody was like really close with her in my phantom cast. And she had oh. said, so that's how I, thought that it was cast but so I don't know because the only girl that I recognize or that I know for sure was at the callback was Chelsea who ended up being the cover for Ariel and one of my sisters and then Chelsea ended up taking over once I left right. yeah so yes 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 yeah. okay that's right um, I know that did I do remember that Carrie Butler was like in a lot of the readings and she has said on the record that she was up for like that Legally Blonde Xanadu and one other show all in the same yes. season yeah, I, I knew that there was something because she had done these, there was readings of it and it was her. And then there was, it was also Celia Keenan-Bolger at one point. Oh, okay. Cool. But I don't know, like, because I wasn't part of the scene yet, this is just like what I knew from like a yeah. couple, I, I didn't really know. So I still don't really know, but I it was a star is born though when they, they lucked out with you. Well, I mean, but this is the, like, I know this is a long story, but I think it's interesting, but what I, oh, yeah. I want to stress, like for people that are listening is that what happened was I hadn't gotten a call back. They weren't interested, but what happened is Francesca Zambello, the director of Little Mermaid happened to be friends with Kristen Blodgett, who's the musical supervisor of Phantom of the Opera. Francesca and Kristen were in a conversation and Francesca was saying, we can't find our Ariel, we can't find our Ariel. Kristen said, you should see Sierra Boggess. She's this like new, you know, she's our Christine right now. And Francesca said, we saw her and she said, and Kristen said, see her again. Wow. And that is how I got a second chance so it's a couple of things. It's like, not only that, but I didn't know that at the time. So they were really, really looking at me that time. But I had also gone away and done a lot of work of like, oh, yeah. so I came in like fully just ready for this. What a great experience. I mean, it's that, what do they say? It's time and luck. It meets preparation or something like that. Or time, yeah. what is it? That whole thing? <laughs> I don't know, but yes, that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly and then you're you're thrown into the scene with i mean so many incredible people i mean sherry renee scott is playing ursula norm lewis is king triton was that overwhelming like were you in over your head yes it was incredibly <laughs> overwhelming i remember Sherry's now one of my best friends and so is norm but i remember sherry's one of the voices i was listening to in college you know mm -hmm. and i remember being terrified to meet her and so intimidated and the whole thing i mean i was i didn't know what i was getting into and it, it was it was it was very overwhelming but 
what an incredible group of people. Titus Burgess. Titus. We became instant. We were instant friends. And Sean Palmer, who was my Prince Eric. I mean, I wouldn't even get ready in my own dressing room. I had a huge dressing room at the Lunt, Fontaine, the theater. And um, I would get ready in Sean's dressing room. We would get ready together. Like, <laughs> we just like, it was an incredible company of people. And it's a lot. Like, your Broadway debut and you're the title of the thing. And it's Disney. I always say, like, I just didn't want to be the one to ruin Ariel for people. Mm. Aw. Yeah. You know? And then you're on roller skates. <laughs> right. <laughs> on these Heelys that was like, but, you know, I was an ice skater growing up. So oh. that was something they asked me about is on my resume and my special skills. Stephen Meir, a choreographer, who's also one of the greatest people in the world he came up to me at the callback he said your figure skater I said yes he was like great and he like went back in the room <laughs> and <laughs> so that was helpful because I know what it feels like to your feet are gliding and your upper body is having to do something else so that felt actually really nice to me but it, yeah. yeah it was a whole thing I mean being half naked was more uh, the amount of breakdowns I had about that privately. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> really? Intimidating. Oh, Did you yeah. have anyone you could talk to about it? You were like, oh my God, I'm feeling. Sean, like my cast. I mean, Sean really knew. Sean, Sean Palmer, he, I call him my brother. He was like, he was like family. Sherry was too. And, and Norm and Titus and my, my actual sisters in life. Like I, I don't get through this life without my actual sisters I'm the middle of two sisters so mm -hmm. my sister and I were living together at that time and she was there for me but that was that was probably the hardest thing was knowing that you are going to be half naked you know for your pro yeah. <laughs> like yeah just all for that the majority entails. of the show right yeah. oh yeah yeah four unfortunate souls closed the first act right right and then wow. I'm wearing like a seaweed skirt and shells for when I have legs for the first time, you know? <laughs> oh my God. I know that was probably such an intimidating and your mind plays tricks on you. As we know, you know, like your, your image of yourself isn't necessarily always accurate. Oh, you know? yeah. It, oh, it's, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And I did, I've, I've struggled my whole life with my perception of myself and my body and I'm built differently than my sister's. I have like an athletic build and my dad and I always joke, I got all his genes. I look like my dad, you know, my mom is like thin and, you know, and in my time of growing up, it's like, I, it, I'm so funny getting older and realizing like, yeah, in my generation, the, the body was thin. That's what it needed to look like. And that was the end of it. There was no, there's no body positivity talk like there is now. And it's so fun meeting people and these like new generations that will not stand for it. That's like, mm -hmm. fuck that, you know. Oh, yeah. forgot, can I say fuck on here? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Oh, as much as you'd like. <laughs> that helps me very much. <laughs> <laughs> you said you listened to Sherry. Were you, were you like an Aida fan? Was oh, yeah. Um, last five years? It was Aida. So yeah. it was Aida was one of the first probably shows I saw. And I oh, saw yeah. her and Adam Pascal and Heather Headley. And I wore oh. out the CD of that. And I had like the, um, there was like a limited edition CD with their faces on it. Like it was that, I mean, for me was it. That show was everything. It still is. 
Oh, he still is. The music is undeniable. It is. And their their performances are all just like, are you joking? Like Sherry and I went on vacation together to Mexico a few years ago. And I, on our road trip part of it, then we drove like from Cancun to Tulum and I made her listen to herself. She was so mad, but I made her and she, and I made her sing along with this is a story of a love that flourished. It was the best. I was like, I don't really care. You're going to sing this right now live in the she's like i don't remember the words and then like start a scene mm-hmm. that's how it is it's just in your body that's uh-huh. so cool. yes oh wow oh my god i love that so much yes. jerry's so iconic one of those just, iconic oh i miss her i, I need her back I on the stage i know i, I know I know. The last time, last time I was lucky enough when I was working at Fifty Four Below for a couple of years, her and Norbert Leo Butts did this duo show. Yes, it was beautiful. I mean, I know that it was sort of like a an, a semi fictionalized version of their careers and how they intersected. It was so good. Actually, around that same time, I remember seeing the two of you sitting outside of like one of those restaurants at Lincoln Center. I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> I'm she was sure. like a Fiorello's or what's it called right over there? Yeah, we were probably either the Smith or Fiorello. Or we like that French restaurant that's next to Fiorello's at the cafe. I remember thinking, oh my God, like <laughs> Sierra Vargas and Sherry Renee Scott are eating salads right now. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> if only you had been there, like I'm at Kleinfeld's, Sherry came with me to look for my wedding dress. That was like... That was hilarious because it's like if we got recognized, it's like, oh, my God, Ariel and Ursula are looking shopping for a wedding dress. <laughs> Isn't that the um, say yes to the dress? It shop? is. It is. that. Well, that could have been a whole episode. Broadway stars. I know. But dress. for some reason, I didn't want to like do that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're married. I'm getting married. I'm getting, getting married. married. Okay. okay. Yes. That's so exciting. When is the wedding going to be? It's going to be next year. Um, that's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you're allowed some privacy, Sierra. I want to ask really quick just to put a pin in the Little Mermaid conversation because you had gone from doing Phantom, which was a set show. You know, it had had been out for years at this point. And then to go from something that was so established to going to something that was established as a film, but it was a brand new version of a stage show. What were the, the unexpected parts of going from the established show to this new version of a beloved film. I didn't have as much prep time as you do. Like you've been singing Phantom your whole life. So you're just ready to go. But I think with Mermaid, it was just the difference was that I had, I was just creating something and just hoping that this is right. You know? So I don't know. I don't, it was a lot. It was, it was a lot like for sure. And I think, it was one of the, it's the most incredible thing that happened and also was incredibly overwhelming. But the more I look back on it, the more I'm like, I don't know how I survived a lot of that because like just all the press that you do. And it was only because really you only want to hear someone sing part of your world. So I was on all the shows and that was new for me. I had never done live anything you know all the press that you do as well but I'm glad I didn't know I I'm not a kid who grew up watching the Tony Awards so Mm. I I'm glad that I didn't know or put a lot of weight towards the Tony Awards I I just everything when I reflect back I think I was kind of like a deer in headlights so I wasn't the leading lady that I that I am now or that I would have wanted to be because I was so I was I was pretty like, I was just like 
shot out of a cannon and just trying to not like mess anything up, you know? (laughs) So the pressure isn't, isn't from Disney. The pressure was from myself. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And has that gotten easier managing that pressure? Because then, you know, you kind of went right from Little Mermaid into this Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber's extended universe. Yes. And you're, you know, taking on the mantle of the iconic role of Christine. Mm -hmm. Has that gotten easier as the years went on? It's like ebbed and flowed. Being launched into something like the title role of a Disney musical and that's your Broadway debut and all that that entails, it certainly was an incredible wealth of like knowledge. And so being, so it's a really incredible launching pad with a lot of nutrients and Mm. they'd never, Disney never let me hang out to dry. I was managed. Like I knew what I was wearing at every interview, every question we had training, media training, all this stuff that really set me up late that I didn't know how important that was until later. So yeah, going into like the Lord's world in, (laughs) in London, but that was, that was fabulous because for me, London was like, that was the dream to perform and live in London was like, oh my God, that was the dream come true. So that was just one of the most incredible experiences. But, and again, also, I think the listeners should be aware or can just be aware that's like during this time the internet wasn't such a thing yet Mm -hmm. so why i say like just to your question of like did it get easier and stuff it wasn't as difficult i don't think because i wasn't able to read or see it's like everybody has a platform now and everybody has something to say (laughs) and like (laughs) it is full on and also you are meant to hear and believe and care about everything that I say like so I am so glad I didn't even get my Twitter account till like well later Instagram wasn't a thing Facebook was a thing but barely I had MySpace like you know I (laughs) like so it's ebbed and flowed because then we've had to go where it's like social media is a thing and so I think it's a little bit easier for me now because I know to not seek out what people are saying about me. And I am, when I did get my social media accounts, I knew that I wanted to put something out into the world as opposed to like, what can I get? Ooh, yes, yes, yes. And you certainly do. I mean, you've really spread you're sort of like Broadway's Brené Brown. You sort of spread like <gasps> that's the biggest beautiful- compliment you could ever give. <laughs> you spread these beautiful mantras and like self assurance and belief in oneself, and and I think your social media has really helped you put that out there, as you were saying. Yeah, I I quite like how I don't begrudge social media or feel like I don't know what to do with it. I really enjoy that it's mine and that it's my platform and that it's, you know, I can run it as I see fit, but also knowing that that comes with and being aware of like, okay, our, if you put this out there, it's there, it's right. there. Yeah. <laughs> so you really got to think about, but I, I feel like uh, empathy for kids now that's like, they have to get social accounts and like all this And so you're sort of being told that's like, that's how it has to be. And then you're having to figure out something to say and who you are and like all this while growing up. It's like, there's so many things. Thank God social media wasn't around then, you know? (laughs) It's interesting too, because 
social media, everyone is always talking about everything, even if they have no reason to be commenting on it. Yes. So you're forced to develop POV as a little, as a kid in middle school. I mean, God, like the things that I probably would have been saying, it's like, for sure. Oh, it's so difficult. And, it and is. I can't imagine. Yeah. I think, I mean, I would have been certifiable. <laughs> like people have been like, <laughs> oh God, you know, because you believe everything you think when you're a teenager as well. Mm-hmm, you believe you everything you think. And uh, it's so, it's hard. It's really, it it's hard. Yeah. Well, spe- speaking of being a teenager, being young, and you just mentioned that working and performing, living in London was always a dream. There is something we do ask all of our guests who come on the show, which is about that moment they realized they loved the arts. We call it the Ring of Keys moment because perhaps it was a moment of recognition where you saw something or were consuming something that made you want to dive into the world of pop culture, theater, art, whatever it means to you. Do you feel like you can pinpoint that moment or moments? It is it, hard for me to remember when it was, but I, I do remember seeing like, I grew up in Denver, Colorado. So I saw like the tour of Sunset Boulevard came in and I oh. thought that that was like the most incredible thing I had ever seen in my life. I remember looking at the ensemble and I thought like, one of the ensemble people, that's who I wanted to be. Like, I didn't even think like, well, I want to be Norma or Betty Schaefer. I just wanted to be in the ensemble. Um, <laughs> so that, but I think it really, for me, was my high school drama program. Like, I went to an inner city public high school, George Washington High School in Denver, Colorado. We had no money. And we were able to put on four shows a year, two shows each semester. And that was my drama teacher, Nancy Priest. And she retired after 30 or 35 years of teaching. And my senior year, she retired. So I got to have her for all of my like years at um, GW. And when I go back home, I still see her. She's, I mean, that woman, how you can, and, and what she taught me about theater, which is the thing that I think I love the most and what made me want to do this is that it is like family. So mm. if she didn't cast you in a show, you were backstage and you were learning about doing spot up and, or you were the makeup crew or you were like, you know, so it didn't matter if you weren't on stage, you are part of it. And so it's like, it was very family. It was very community. And we all took it so serious. So I think it's that. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. It's, it's, you say Nancy Priest was Nancy her name? Nancy Priest. What Nancy a fun Priest name. What a fun and name. And Sunset Boulevard, you know, Andrew, Lord Weber. Lord he's, Weber. He's always around. So, you know, you've become iconic for playing Christine. And I'm sure people tell you this all the time, but literally that live filmed performance that you did as Christine is spectacular. I mean, I truly could watch it all the time. It made me love Phantom more. Mm. It really did. So thank you. I just thank no you. question in there. Just wanted to tell you that you're a big sled and you're amazing at playing oh, Christine. Thank you. And <laughs> yeah, that's lightning I, in a bottle. That that whole thing. Because I remember it was telecast, like it was um or simulcast around the world, right? Around the world, yeah. And it was a big deal then because that wasn't a thing that was done. It was broadcast live around the world. Yeah. Before Hamilton was on Disney Plus, you were doing, you know, (laughs) Phantom. That's exactly right. So were you, you and Ramin had done Love Never Dies at this point, but had you played Christine full-time beyond Vegas at that point? No. Okay. So I was revisiting it from learning it, you know, in, in, for the Vegas version with, with Hal. Which was what? 
an hour because it, like it was 90 minutes. Yeah. But all this stuff, what Vegas was funny because they cut everything else that basically isn't Phantom Christine and Ralph. So my show was basically intact oh, and my so costume changes were just quicker. Yeah. Oh my God. But you kind of have had this like playing opposite Ramin a lot throughout your career too, whether it be yeah. in concert or, you know, there was that secret garden. He did at Lincoln Center. We did that together. Girl. Yeah. When are we getting that for real, real? Honey, they're working on it. They've been working they on it for working. too long. I know. I'm whining about I it. I know. I'm whining about it. Believe me, I know. <laughs> yeah, you and Ramin together, those voice your voices are mm. mwah, stunning. Why didn't they call you for funny girl? Come on. What's going on here? I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a bar I know you're a Barbara fan, so was funny girl ever, you know, was Fanny a role you wanted to do? Well, no, because I wouldn't be able to make it my own. Mm. That's I'm like, there's only one way to do it in this Barbara yeah. Streisand. So I don't I don't see another way. I would just be literally imitating it. So yeah. it's not the role for me. Yeah. No, I, I understand Fanny like so well. And like, oh my God, just like, ugh, there's so much like, oh, there's so much there. It, it gets dark for me. With really? that. But it's, but good. Like, you know, just in relationship and what it's like being a successful, being a successful woman mm -hmm. and my just like journey of finding a partner who can also handle that because it's a thing. And that's part of what the, I mean, funny girl is actually a movie about a failed relationship wow, and the right. man, he can't handle yeah. it, you know, right. Isn't that some therapy for us on midnight rain, which is a song on midnights to one of Taylor's new songs. She has this line about he wanted a bride. I was making my own name. It's like, you know, yes. she, she can't, she doesn't want to slow down just to be this, what everyone thinks she should be. She wants to, be the greatest star or, you know, pursue her dream. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm -mm -mm. Do you feel like now you've found the partner <laughs> that's, that is able to really support your career and your life? I sure have. Oh my God, that's beautiful. And I mean, I turned over every rock. <laughs> like, <laughs> I dug the bottom of the barrel. Like, But this man is, I mean... It's unbelievable. And we both just are like, wow, it's it's a dream. It's like, wow, love like this really does exist. Like it's it's extraordinary. He's extraordinary. Oh yeah. Is he a theater person? He is not. He's a film director. Oh, cool. So it's really fun. He had never seen Phantom in his life, didn't know what it was. So I got to show him the first time he saw it was actually when Phantom reopened on Broadway after the shutdown. Yeah. So we got to go to that reopening together and walk the carpet. And it was just really magical because I wanted him to see the classic. I wanted him yes. to see the one at the Majestic. And thank God I got to show him that because now it's going to close. But wait, Sierra, you have to go back in before it closes. Please tell me oh, that's on the table. Oh, my God. Well, that it, it can't be on the table because that means that I would have to boot out someone playing it. Oh, that's right. That's true. Okay, fine, uh, fine, fine. Maybe, maybe they'll, maybe, okay, maybe ticket sales will be amazing. They'll extend for another couple months yeah. and they're like, all right, we're going to bring in some heavy hitters here. You're Andrew's favorite. I would go in if I, oh, I would go in if I wasn't taking okay. someone else okay. out of a job. Okay, I love yes, that take. That, you're so you're nice. so generous. What did he think of seeing Phantom? Did he enjoy? Oh, he, he was like, oh, but he's Italian. So 
Stefan, his name is Stefano, but he's um, he grew up in Montreal. His first language, though, is Italian because he's 100 percent Italian and all his family moved from Italy to Montreal. So he speaks fluent Italian and French and English. So he it was hilarious watching him and watch Phantom. He thought the Italians were the funniest thing ever. I forgot Carlotta and Bianchi are Italian until he's laughing at everything that they were doing. Aww, and I was yeah. like, this is the first, like, you know, where it's like, that was his takeaway is like, oh my God, like these, that he thought that they were just brilliant, Aww. which um, made me laugh so much. So he loved that. And it's funny. It's like, the more I am in a relationship that's not dysfunctional, the more I see how you can see that Phantom and Christine is a highly dysfunctional know, right? relationship. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, yeah. Back in the day, you're like, this is normal. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, this is what I thrive for. It's like I want a Nikki Arnstein as yeah. well. Like, of course, <laughs> right. I want, I, I only know dysfunction. I only understand that, you know? <laughs> All these men of Broadway, they're problematic male leads. It's, you know, the female, the women are always with it. Honey, I know. That's so cute that he loved all of those bits and, and moments he did I, yeah. I will never forget when you and norm did it on broadway was that the first time you did it on broadway full-time the first time no the first time was right after 25th anniversary london i came to new york to do 25th anniversary okay. broadway so that was hugh panero and i on broadway and then i was only there for that so i only did that three months and then i left and then later once Norm was going to go back in, then Andrew called me like eight in the morning. I get a call from him, darling, you know, would you mind, darling? You know, like <laughs> I was like, just waking up. Yeah. So that's how that happened. That's so cool. Wait, I'm just so curious because you, you call him Andrew, which is just so funny. Like, it's so cool that you're at that level yeah. with this absolute legend. What is your relationship like with Andrew Lloyd Webber? Well, I mean, when you're work, it's, it's a working relationship. Yeah. So it's been a big blessing in my life. And I know I'm terribly close with Imogen Lloyd Webber, his oldest daughter, yeah. who's become one of my best friends. She lives in New York. So we see each other all the time. And she's such, she's an incredible, incredible person. Just, I think what she's overcome in her life and what she's been able to do just she works for concord she, uh, concord publishing oh, cool. which is where we license everything and but she's made a name for herself despite having lloyd weber as her last name mm -hmm. you know and because she has that but it she never she doesn't use that she's be, she's made herself who she is she's just cool she's cool as hell um, i've seen her before out and about in town yeah, yeah. Maybe I've seen her yeah. on your social media. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> yes. That's so special. I yeah. have a feeling we haven't seen the last of you in Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals, but we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. I mean, I will play, would like to play Norma someday. <laughs> Ooh, I, yeah. yeah that what, would be unreal. What, what roles do you want to play or that maybe you like had a little a little taste of like Cinderella into the woods or Secret Garden, like anything you would love to really still do on the stage in a longer term capacity? Well, still for sure, Secret Garden. I mean, we're it's working. It's 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 working on it. And um, I'm going to LA to to do this at the Amundsen, the production that Warren Carlyle's directing of Secret Garden that's we're that's hopefully you know pre-Broadway and we're trying out. And so I'm gonna finally get to do that. And now with Lucy Simon having just passed it's like oh my God, I, know. I don't even know oh, I just I mean and Rebecca Luker you know mm -hmm. it's like so now when I visit Lily again it's like 
those women are with me. They are mm-hmm. actual Lily, you know, and that's going to be really something, I think. Wow, you just you gave me the chills. Lily, right? you, that, she's the one who sings Come to My Garden, right? Yeah, she's the ghost, you know. She's the one who's, she's there to try and help heal from beyond the grave, you mm-hmm. know. And ugh, I just... You have yeah. a knack for ghosts, some some ghosts I know. and phantoms in your career right there. But. Yeah, there's some about <laughs> that other world that I, I don't know, seem to resonate with. I know. Well, it is spooky season right now, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, okay, well, well, that is something we can definitely look forward to and cross our fingers for. Um, yes. We are sadly having to wrap up. Sierra, you are so cool and fun. But we do like to end on a dose of drama, which is sort of like a little fun nugget of maybe something you just want to chat about, share your feelings on. We call it like a rant or a rave. Usually it's just like recommendations. Um, well, if you have yet to think of it, we'll kick it off with Connor, who I know always has something stewing in his mind. I do. Well, actually, interesting. We were just talking about the Phantom reopening because I always think about Countess Luann DJing next to Andrew Lloyd Webber there. Oh, and speak <laughs> iconic, legend. A legendary iconic, moment. I think of it so often, but I'm feeling dramatic because they are rebooting the Real Housewives of New York. And I, I understand why, but those are my girls. They are, you know, Sonia, Luann, you know, even, even Ramona, you know, watching them on screen is such a treat. And I feel like dramatic, not that they're done, because I, I think their stories have been told in a way, and we'll see them on the, the legacy show that they're allegedly, allegedly spinning off onto Peacock. But they announced the new Roni cast, and they all seem like young influencer types, which I'm, I'm still going to watch. I'm sure it'll be good. But I want women who have some, you know, dirt under their fingernails from clawing at the at the desperation of life and to really that have no awareness. They're not like an influencer. Like I want them to be unaware and truly just putting themselves out there like our original Roni girls did from seasons one through, I would say, 11. But anyway, I'm feeling dramatic because I need our girls back. And I know they're filming. I think the new Roni started filming today. Oh, really? Kind of wild, Everyone get to the east side. <laughs> I know, right? Everyone go to Sarah right. Bina, whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I miss yeah. Roni. I miss my girls. And I'm feeling dramatic that we might not see our OGs on screen again, but maybe it's for the best. But I'm hoping for it. Anyway, that's my drama. Mm. Dylan, what's your dose of drama today? Um, My dose of drama. Hmm, I finally saw the movie Bros, which is that this gay rom-com that, you know, it's been so polarizing in the media. And I have to say, I loved it. And I really had a great time. I laughed so much. And it was so crazy to see like gay men doing poppers on screen and like crazy things that like I have experienced in my life that like they're talking about and maybe audiences who aren't as familiar with queer culture experience. I will say it's not just a gay movie. It's very queer in general. The whole entire ensemble cast, they sort of tick every box of every type of queer person that we might encounter on the streets. Speaking of, you know, people in New York and around the world. Every every actor in it is in the LGBTQ plus community too. Let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate that. I do recommend it. I believe it's streaming now. So I think that people can, can, I don't know if it's like that have to pay to watch it streamed it but movies movies leave the theaters now and go right to the streamer it's crazy it was actually hilarious so that is my drama sierra have you seen bros that's fabulous no and i was wanting to see it so bad so i love that that's your review of it i'm really excited about that i'm not a billy eichner person by any means Mm -hmm. but he you know he was he wrote it and he starred in it wow He did well. Well, I think, well, and I think it's just like when that came out and they started advertising, I was like, 
this is really the first time I like I couldn't believe because I I think because you know we're in New York and we're theater people yeah. and like so it's like you don't remember right. like until you leave like New York City <laughs> that's like oh this is really a thing like you know but I just I'm so excited about that yeah. I'm really in yeah do you have a dose of drama for us otherwise I have two doses of drama. Ooh, love. One is, I just want to say, because I've been having much discussion lately about this. Just, I want to keep it on topic of like for the the theater kids. We love that. And I just want us to consider that, you know, there's a lot of things right now, which are when, when we're seeing musicals, specifically we're sort of tearing down or we're calling out that's like why are we upholding this thing so much let me be specific this has nothing to do with this show but it's just a really easy one to use which is the music man which I happen Mm. to love this show Mm -hmm. I always have and I am also aware that it's about a con man you know (laughs) it's like as you get older and you're like oh this show is about he's a con man and he's literally lying to this town and then he takes their money and runs. Right. But what I want to say is, but these musicals are what made us fall in love with musical theater that we didn't all do musicals in which that's like, this is who you're supposed to be in the world. Like you're supposed to try and be this just like we're talking about with Fanny Bryce all of a sudden. it's like, we're not saying you're supposed to also be like this in the world or Christine good Lord, get out of there. Don't give it any more time, you know, or the phantom who's killing people to, and yet it feels like right now there seems to be a lot of like tearing down of musicals specifically and calling things out as if they were always supposed to be the stuff that we uphold as. And and so I guess what I want to say is these are supposed to be flawed people and we're still supposed to like sing and dance. It's not supposed to be like the ethical, you know, no matter what, no matter, you know what I mean? I do 100%. They have to be flawed. They have to be entertaining too. These shows, if, if if they're too round around the whole edge, I'm bored. That's right. And if you are spoon feeding to the audience that this is the message, it doesn't allow you to realize it's like, Oh, you know, it's the, I think the audiences now, I want us to be thinking for ourselves, you know, and yes. not, not all of us have to agree. And I think that this is coming from just coming out of this culture and perhaps like the past four years previous of maybe, yeah, in, yeah. you know, in politics, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to say it without saying a four letter word, right. um, but you know, it's that culture of like, you're wrong and I'm right. And this is black and this is white. And this mm-hmm. is how it is. And the evil and good and like all this. And and also we never, you know, shall meet in the middle. So I think it's just part of what I'm sensing is like we're finding our way through this. And I want us to just remember that's like, I don't know, that like there's musicals and it's okay that there's these old musicals in which you're just supposed to sing about a Wells Fargo wagon coming, right. you know? <laughs> I totally agree with you. And I thank you for saying it. Connor and I have these conversations all the time. It's like, you know, and a lot of the reasons why these revivals come back is because of the nostalgia piece. You know, there are things that our parents yeah. loved and our grandparents loved, and we don't need to update all of them. Like we, we can acknowledge that anything written, I mean, even we'll say before 2000. I mean, I'm sure it's, we sure. can go later than that, but anything written before that is going to be problematic, but no one ever said we need to aspire to be 
Harold right. Hill or right. Ava Perone, you know, all these characters right. have problems and that's what makes them interesting. We're on the journey with them. I mean, right. And that's what made yeah. us all want to do theater because we're like, oh, they're just like, you know, they're flawed like us. Exactly. And I think the more that we're trying to purify everything, the more it's, it's part of, I think, in, in response to social media culture where we're trying, everything has a filter. Mm -hmm. So, Ooh, yeah, you know, I think that's what's sort of happening in the arts world. And I don't want that to be so because it's part of what helped us like figure out our stuff because we are watching flawed people, you know? Oh, yeah, exactly. And those are the things that made us who we are. Our ring of keys moments yeah. were probably, you know, the, the things people come on here and say they loved, they could be like, the most problematic thing in the world, like seven brides for seven brothers, you know, it's, like, sure. it's, but it's just, you know, it's fun. And it's, it's the art of it all at the end of the day. Yes. It's fiction. Yeah. yeah. It's that, fiction. That too. That too. <laughs> Did you have you, a second? Yeah, what was your you yeah, to my us, second or? one is really short. It's just a cultural thing that made me think of, but um, on Disney plus it's Jimmy Chin. He has a show that he's directed and is filming. Um, remember he filmed free solo it's like oh, has yes. nothing to do with theater, but th but okay. it also does because I've started really, I think because of marathon training, I've been really loving to like get more into like the sports world, which I was never a part of, <laughs> but I'm looking at things and, and he has a show there only 20 minutes long and it's called either on the edge or at the edge. And it's these incredible, like high risk, like the backcountry skiers and like, like rafters, of course, the free solo guy. And it's just why I suggest this now. And for like theater kids too, it's like, we go through as theater kids, the same sort of like fight or flight stuff as these extreme like athletes and sports. And what it goes, there's, there's little touches of the psychology of like, when you're afraid and you just do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And, and they show like when things go wrong and like an avalanche happens and like literally life and death. And just for, I teach a lot of musical theater, like kids, like class. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot of questions about anxiety. And I think this is a helpful tool of like to help you not feel so alone. That's like it, all that's happening is your body is thinking it's fight or flight. Just like, you know, back in the day, a saber tooth tiger is running at you. And, yeah. and you can still it's like Brene Brown says that you can be brave and you you can be scared and go anyway. You know, mm -hmm. um, so just sometimes it helps us to like shake up like what we're really invested in. And it helps sometimes with the fear element of what we do for a living. Yeah. Cause it, it, it's a great equalizer. You know, we all do, we are all are afraid sometimes. Or yeah. yeah. I'll check it out. I love sports stuff. Nothing makes me cry more than a sports movie or things like <laughs> well, that. Then, it's crazy. I don't know yeah, what it is. It's check this out. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. It's, I'll, I'll definitely have to. Sarah, yeah. you are so amazing. You have been such a light in our community for so many years and Getting to chat with you tonight was such a breeze. I mean, oh. you're so wonderful. Thank you seriously. For your time. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to meet both of you, and this was this was fabulous. Oh yay! Aww. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yeah. and of course, we want people to follow out the follow along with all the things you're putting out into the world. Um, and you're just Sierra Bogus on Twitter. And then, what is your is your Instagram also just Sierra Bogus? No, it's official. I can't remember if it's official Sierra Bogus or Sierra Bogus official. Okay. Um, we'll put it in the also, notes. Yeah. And you can go to my website. It has everything on there. Sierra
Amazing. Yay. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. With the marathon, you're going to slay. And thank we'll, you. Of course, you know, is there, are you, are you running for a cause or anything? Yeah, like I'm running for a cancer support community. Um, Amazing. We'll put that in the notes too, if anybody wants to donate. That's fabulous. Last year, Kelly O'Hara ran for them. So that's how I knew oh, cool. about them. Um, oh. Yeah. So, and my little sister. So that's, I love like meeting like siblings because I don't do this life without my siblings. So, oh, yeah. Aww. We've seen your sister who plays the yeah, stringed instrument. Yes. Cello. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. When you two would do concerts at 54 Below, it was yes. always cute to see siblings do that. Yeah. Sort of thing I know. Together. I love it. It, it. I always, I get it. I'm like, I understand their relationship. Yes. I understand it. Yeah. You are, you are friends. You like to create together. You've got each other. It's the best kind of bond. Yeah. And you speak telepathically. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. 100%. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Sierra. My pleasure. Best of luck with everything coming up. And while everyone's following Sierra, they have to follow us. We're at the Drama Podcast. I'm at Dylan McDowell. Connor is at Connor McDowell. And Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. Drama.